Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur, and the 5-1 and one Los Angeles Rams are preparing for one of the circled games. Even if it is against an 0-6 team, it is Jared Goff against the Rams. It is Matthew Stafford against the Lions, a meeting that maybe nobody knew is in the works for all these years. And here we go. You know, the first time Jared Goff plays in front of fans, Rams fans at SoFi stadium, it'll be as a lion. And for Matthew Stafford, he gets pretty much everything that he expected and wanted following the trade from Detroit to Los Angeles. The upgrades have worked Matthew Stafford, one of the most productive passers in the NFL, but also one of the most productive deep passers in the NFL. And guess who's the worst deep passing defense in the NFL? His old friends, the Lions. I don't know if uh, Jeffrey Akuda is back there somewhere or not, but maybe we'll find out. To talk about Jared Goff's return to LA, what better to do than to talk to one of the legends of Turf Show Times himself, Joe 3K McAtee. Welcome back. We're waiting until we had a 35 point lead and throwing no look passes to have me back on. I get it. McVeigh's the right. same way. He's got to have a he's got to have a buffer zone. And until you reach that, you can't you can't get wacky. But now that we're, we're, we're dropping 35 point leads on people. Now, nah, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. No, nah, what's were, up, Kenny? There were uh, now that you mentioned it, you know, there is, uh, as you know, uh, I didn't have all the same Rams experiences that you've had over the years. And that includes Sean McVay's first couple of years as for certain there with the Rams 2017, 2018 is uh, 2017. Is that the last time you remember the quarterback getting pulled for a good reason? Oh, that's a good point. Um, Not that 20, gosh. obviously 2018 happened, but 2017, sure. I think there were more blowouts. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess, I'd have to think about that because I don't think I'm trying to remember if we had some Mannion action in there that was for a, a good reason. And then obviously Wolford, I think that was it, man. I think you're right. Uh, that even, even going back to, to way, way before then you'd have to go back pretty far for a, uh, yeah. a positive late game substitution. Cause of most of those, even prior to Jared Goff weren't of that type. So yeah, it's been, it's been a while since we were putting up these kinds of beatdowns on people and able to get uh, the best. And, 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 you know, that that's funny. Cause that's been a weird criticism somewhat of McVeigh that he's been a little too hesitant to go to his backups in these kind of games. And uh, I thought yeah. he handled that pretty well in the New York game in terms of getting those guys out. Cause you don't need them, you know, to finish those out. And just for a guy that understands the risk of not playing him in the preseason, it's never really kind of meshed with his approach to the game. So I thought this was, a good one where you know got them out and got some of the backup some time and made sure not that uh, Andrew Whitworth of you know for one didn't need to take any more snaps than what he already had yeah what an odd experience for Andrew Whitworth a guy who when he was at LSU never came out of the game for four years uh and with the Bengals uh, other than a couple of uh injuries never really came out of the game for all those years uh, I believe he's he has to be top 10 all time in NFL snaps just in terms of 
uh, offensive and defensive players. I'm pretty sure he's top <sighs> 10 all time. I think he's number one and in the NCAA. It's wow. pretty insane. To, so yeah, to get a guy like that out, and even to be talking about a guy who's played that many reps, uh, similar to Tom Brady, but to play to, to play that many reps and still play at a high level is just phenomenal. You know, Andrew Whitworth has gone probably with the Rams so far in his career. He's gone from like, this guy's a really good player to, I, I think, a first ballot Hall of Famer just in terms of like, he's such a unique athlete and he's such a unique player. And has done it for so long. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the longevity aspect is, now it's getting to an extreme level with him where you know you're looking at guys like Jackie Slater and stuff like that like you don't get you don't get this very often you don't get guys that can perform at this level for this long it's pretty uh pretty fascinating but uh you're right the fact that he was you know sitting on the sideline at the end of the game and and you know can the same with Matt Stafford can just enjoy the late minute mm-hmm. of the second string is a pretty good indication of where this team is now I don't think it's very surprising I think we all understood this year's team was going to be pretty pretty good but uh, it's definitely comfortable to be going about it in the way they did this weekend compared to how they've dealt with some of these games before. It's got to be surprising to a lot of people because uh, I don't follow power rankings necessarily, but I believe the Rams are shooting up of them. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't remember a lot of people coming in with the Rams as a top three or top four team. Although, I mean, I, I would have, uh, I think, you know, there were definitely a lot of people who agreed with that sentiment and getting, I, I, even if there wasn't going to be as good of a defense, uh, thinking, okay, great. Well, you know, here's the thing. I got like six things I want to say. Uh, and okay. Number one is I think it's funny that Matthew Stafford was pulled the week before the game against the lions and that Jared Goff was also pulled the the week, the game before (laughs) the Rams, totally different scenarios. Uh, I I also want to say, uh, the Rams defense is, now fourth in DVOA um, after destroying the Giants. Uh, I, and, I, and when you look ahead to Jared Goff and Davis Mills and uh, maybe Trey Lance in the next four games, you're looking at potentially a, pretty, a, good. A, pretty good, right? Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> uh, and the other thing that I wanted to say would probably um, require – uh, you to tell me what the last thing you said was. What was the last thing you said? Just the fact that it was that comfortable for them and, the, you know, the ease with which they've dealt with it and the fact that it hasn't always been that smooth. Um, you know, the, the, even if you go back to 2018 when we started 8-0, there were times where it felt a lot closer than this. I think they've handled, the, you know, a lot of these games so easily. You go back to the season opener, right, against Chicago. That was a 20-point win. Uh, the Seattle yeah. game never felt particular. I mean, especially once Russell Wilson went out, it was one of those, yeah. like, come on, finish the game. The, the win over the Buccaneers didn't feel particularly – it was one of those things where, it, you know, outside of that Indianapolis game in week two, which was a little wonky, and uh, obviously the Arizona game, there's been, there's been some comfortable wins early on this season. I think it's – Maybe you're right. Maybe it's not something that a lot of people anticipated. Maybe it was a bit of the homer in me, but, uh, you know, certainly within the Rams bubble, I think we all understood that this was a team that we expected to go to the playoffs and we're going to judge them there. Absolutely. And no less the case, you know, at the end of the day, the Rams have to look at the fact that a they're five and one, and there's a six and oh team ahead of them in the division. Yeah. (laughs) They have to look. That's already got a win on them. That's already got the win on them. That's what I was also going to ask you today, yeah. which is flat out. I mean, flat out, straight up. 
I mean, they, I know we have an answer to some degree, but we don't have an answer. Are the Cardinals better than the Rams? I wouldn't go that far. Um, you know, I think they're really close. I think, I think that's, you know, I think that's the truth for most NFL teams though, especially if you look at, you know, the better teams compared to each other and the worst teams compared to each other, that there's not a ton of difference. This isn't like college football where, you know, if Alabama plays North Texas a hundred times, how many times is Alabama going to win? Probably like 99, right? Like it's just, it's not even close, but if the Rams and Arizona played a hundred times, it's going to be somewhat close to 50, 50, certainly closer than the the disparity from what you get in college teams would be. So I, I I don't think I feel definitively about either team being quote unquote better. I, I think, you know, part of it is going to be as we get closer to the playoffs, what do they look like? Because I'd much prefer if Arizona is going to be better than the Rams for a component of this season, I'd rather it be the first six games than the last six. Right. I mean, yeah. we, we, we beat the Buccaneers last year. Who gives a shit? What, what <laughs> happened after that? The Buccaneers turned it on and, and won and yeah, looked the best version of themselves when they needed to. So, you know, I, I, I think it's fair to say that through the first six games, definitely Arizona has handled their opponents uh, let's say better, but I don't think that you can criticize much from the Rams overall. And, and obviously we're going to play them again in the regular season. Wouldn't, I think it wouldn't surprise anybody if those two teams meet up in the playoffs and, and, and more important than which one's better will be, you know, who ends up winning that game. Cause that'll just settle the debate once and for all, if it does happen, then if not, yeah, we got, we got a lot of football left to play. And I, I just, I don't, th- I don't think you can crown Arizona yet based on six games with everything that these teams have in front of them. Uh, especially, especially because you got two quarterbacks that that aren't really established, right? Matt Stafford's only got six games with this crew with McVay. It could still get better. Kyler Murray's—I I don't know if people have noticed—he's kind of getting really, really, really friggin' good. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I don't know how good he's going to become. I think that's the scary part. Is you know, you you look at the Rams situation and it looks really good. If Kyler's the truth, dude, Arizona might be set for years to come, you know, cause he's just so young. So, uh, gosh, who's better. I, I just, it, it's to be determined this year. I think that there's too much to play for, um, high stakes too, because you're talking about, you know, the Rams that are coming off a season where we went to the divisional round, looking to get to the NFC championship. And now, I haven't really checked in on Arizona fans and fan sites yet, but I gotta, I gotta wonder if their expectations have ramped up, you know, in a real sincere way. Like, do they, are they going to be really upset if their team loses in the playoffs or do you think they'll still be satisfied to just get there? I don't think that uh, anything could be, you know, more disappointing for any fan than to say, go like 15 and two or 14 and three and then, you know, losing the playoffs, especially before the Super Bowl, it's just sure. like one of those wasted seasons, it feels like. And I definitely would say, I mean, one of the most overrated things, because I do think the Cardinals are good enough to go 15 and two. I do think that they are that good. They look and like it, it. Yeah. I mean, like I've, I, I, I like watching their games every week. It's, it's so much fun to watch Kyler Murray it's just impossible not to look at Kyler Murray play football and think, Whoa, cool. I've never, I've never seen this before. You know, who who doesn't, that's what everything, you know, that's what you want when you go to a movie. That's what you want when you watch a TV show. That's what you want when you listen to an album. I mean, there's the part of you that wants like that familiar pattern that we've had since our, our birth. But at the same time, what I want after watching a bunch of movies is like a movie where I'm like, wow, I've never seen this before. And to me, those are the best experiences. So like watching Kyler Murray, it's like, you can just see the evolution uh, over the last 30 or 40 years that took us from, you know, this one quarterback like Randall Cunningham to Michael Vick 
to Russell Wilson becoming like more of a pocket passer who could run to all of a sudden now we get to Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. And if they are both continuing to play in the way that they have played, we have never ever seen players like Jackson and Murray and maybe next year, Malik Willis. Like there's so many interesting things happening. I, I even wanted to talk to you just about, yeah, the future at quarterback, because I wrote about it earlier this year, which is that, you know, once Tom Brady retires or whatever, um, you've got Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much longer Matt Ryan goes. These are the oldest quarterbacks in the conference. And you, you don't, it's like balancing it against uh, the Tom Brady idea that they could go for say another five to 10 years versus this other concept, which is just like, yeah, but what if Kyler Murray's in the division for 15 years, you know? Sure. Sure. I, I also wonder sometimes like how much of you, you talked about the evolution of of the position. And I think the other thing I think about, okay, there, there's a point I'll make at the end, but I think about it in this way. There, there's so much more coaching now. And if you think if you think think about somebody like Jared Goff, right, who has all these resources as a kid. And as soon as he's in high school for, you know, him and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Kyler Murray, obviously, that from the time these guys are 15, the amount of football instruction they're getting and the quality of that instruction compared to 30 years ago is much, 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 much higher now. Yeah. And I I just wonder sometimes if that constant uh, evolution of the entire ecosystem has created a labor pool that's different. Because the, the thing I keep, and this is the point I was going to make, the thing I keep returning to when I look around the league is the quarterback labor pool is way better than it was 20 years ago. You remember, like, you remember when you would look around the league and there'd only be like eight good quarterbacks? Yeah. There was a, there was a bunch of mediocre guys. And there was, you know, there were Jim Drunken Millers all over the top. But you, you wouldn't have a bunch of guys that you would look at and say, wow, these are all legitimate quarterbacks. We're talking about Matt Stafford is wherever we're ranking him. He's never been that high before in his entire career in terms of the consensus, right? It's not because he hasn't been that guy. It's because there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this league. It's it's getting, I, th I think that's one of the kind of underrated aspects and underreported, underdiscussed aspects that we haven't gotten to is you might, you, whoever you rank the 13th or 14th quarterback in the league right now is probably really, really good. And, and certainly yeah. much better than the 13th or 14th quarterback you would, you would have ranked coming out of the late nineties and oh, into the absolutely. early 2000s. Let me, let me throw this in there too. I mean, when I watch the Cardinals, I love watching Kyler Murray, but that would be pointless. It would be Johnny Manziel if he didn't have Rondale Moore and DeAndre Hopkins. And Jeez. like, have, well, we've never seen receivers like this either. When I watch, it's crazy because DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I was watching the Cardinals highlights this week and everybody makes a catch. Everybody makes a catch. Sometimes you see like a really exciting route or release or something like that. But I've never seen a player catch a ball in the flats there were two defenders in between him, 10 yards and two defenders just standing in front of him. And he juked them so good. They were completely lost. I've never seen a, a guy move around like that. And yet DeAndre Hopkins in the world of 2021 somehow just gets lost in the shuffle because everybody's got, I mean, when you've got Cooper cup having the numbers and the, and the season that he's having, when you have so many of these guys, when I watch Rondale Moore or Jamar chase, these guys just got, we never, when, it, when a guy came into the Calvin Johnson, wasn't even that good as a rookie. Like when a guy <laughs> came into the league, like Randy Moss, we all went, Whoa. And now it's like three or four guys a year. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it is that teams are realizing you don't have to wait it out. 
right? Yeah. It, it, there's no, there, it's great to have, you know, the end of a career of somebody that's, you know, given a lot to the team and who's still not, not a deficiency, but I think there's a lot of teams that are, that are approaching it differently than the Rams, obviously, with the way that we've manufactured these trades over the last four or five years that are looking at it and saying, we can get a lot better really quickly and, and are pretty confident in being able to do so. Uh, and it's an interesting clash. I think it's going to be interesting to see in this window, depending on what the Rams do and how successful we are compared to some of these other teams that are trying to turn it around as they do, like in Arizona, perhaps like Philadelphia, who's now, you know, look at the way they handled their quarterback issue where they looked at Carson Wentz the same way the Rams kind of did with Jared Goff. They ended up getting all these trades and stacking up on draft picks where they've got, what, three draft picks in the in the top 10 or whatever it is, they're loaded yeah. for draft picks coming up. Their rebuild's going to be very, very different from the Rams. It's just going to be interesting to kind of see compare and contrast the two approaches. Not, not, not necessarily one's necessarily better than the other, but like you were saying, there are teams that are comfortable kind of leaning into that reality that there's so much talent that if you're willing to do it, you can turn it over pretty quickly. And if you handle it right, you'll be fine. Well, I, I just think that this is the NFL now to some degree in that uh, you, you see it, with the Bucks last year, you saw it with the Rams this year. You saw it with the 49ers this year, um, and, you know, and, and dumping resources into just, just fucked everything else passing, you know, yeah. and like, uh, and, and that's not necessarily the wrong thing to do because it seems like right now the NFL is kind of like the way I see it is take every quarterback in the NFL, put them at the bottom of the ocean, uh, tie them to the bottom of the ocean uh, and then release them and say, okay, first one to the top. And you just like swim as fast. Whoever's the fastest swimmer you got, oh man, you know, there's uh, Patrick Mahomes or Kyler Murray. And these are the fast swimmers. But then on top of that, you're like, yeah, they're both fast swimmers. You know, it's like two Michael Phelps and they say, okay, no, we got to give some of them buoys. And it's like, here's Deandre Hopkins and Ron yeah. Moore. And, and, and here are all these weapons, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and, and to me, the, Look the Rams, Look at the Rams. Yeah, to me, the NFL is just like, you're trying to get your quarterback to the surface faster than every other quarterback. And however you do it, you do it. And the Rams have done it as good as any team in the NFL this year. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just, it's just so interesting to see how each team is doing that in their own way. Right. You got Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. You got, uh, gosh, who's, who else do you have? Like you mentioned, the chargers are in that same well, the Dallas Cowboys. We didn't even talk about Amari Cooper and CD lamb, right? The same, you've got that same dynamic everywhere around the league where the quarterback wide receiver seems to be more important than almost anything else right now. Cause it's that's the thing is it's being affirmed in real time because you're right. That's that's the approach for everybody. Look at look at the teams that even when they invest in it and it doesn't work, how quickly they're moving on. The Rams with Jared Goff, Philadelphia with Carson Wentz, Chicago with yep. Mitch Trubisky, you, uh, the Washington with Dwayne Haskins. Arizona. You don't have to, yeah, you don't you don't have to spend time with Josh Rosen waiting for something to happen if you've got an opportunity. To, to fix it now. You don't have, I get it. You gave Jared Goff a big contract extension, but if you really think you, you can get better, you can do it now. And you, you, you know, in the case of a team like the Rams, you might need to do it now and be that aggressive because you, you're not certain three, four years from now that you'll have the same opportunity you do. So it's I mean, it, it's a fascinating se uh, season and I think it's, it's fascinating to see these approaches, but you, it's, it's also one of these where it, it looks like, and we got to get a couple more weeks. You're really starting to be in a situation with the haves and have nots where we're talking about teams that do have that quarterback and wide receiver and they've got the opportunity to be really good and we'll see what happens but the teams that don't 
I mean, the, it's just one of those where you look around, does this team have any chance? Like, no, dude, their quarterback and their passing game is just, it's not good enough. And almost all those teams are in the bottom 10, 12 of the league. Yeah. And you, you can, you can probably eat that, you know, if you're a rookie, uh, you know, obviously um, the Jaguars and the Jets and these teams are, are totally just happy to get experience. And, and I think that both of those quarterbacks look pretty good. It's just, yeah, they took their shot, right? They're trying. Yeah. They're, they're trying. trying. And, and, and you go, okay, those teams. And then you see the team that the Rams just kicked their asses and it's like, yep. Year three of Daniel Jones, there's going to be a year four. I mean, a week ago I was being told, yeah, we're, this is the, this is the guy. I just need to get him some help. It's like, yeah, the giants tried that, you know, with Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony and, and, you know, injuries happen and all that and everything. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you, you can't even maybe even necessarily risk year three. You can point to Josh Allen um, as an example of like, well, then he makes a breakout and it's like, yeah, you're, you are taking some risks, but look at J- Sam Darnold, who kind of just is the same guy. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing is you can take that year three to kind of evaluate just like they did with Trubisky, but you don't, you don't need to go into year four. There's no reason to wait that long. You're going to, you're going to A, either set your franchise back or B delay the extra year in between that you got to take. It's almost like, uh, you know, the kids that go over to Europe to take their backpack, you got to take a Ryan Fitzpatrick year, you know what I mean? To try to like, wait, are you going to take your Nick Foles year? So the last thing didn't work out. We're going to take our Nick, our Andy Dalton year. And then next year, we're going to take our quarterback, right? If you, if you delay that by a year, now your whole franchise is set back a year. Why wait? Just, you know, if, if Daniel Jones just isn't getting it done by week eight this year there's no reason not to go ahead and position yourself as a franchise to move on this offseason i mean uh getting back to even the game uh coming up here uh with the detroit lions i think the lions will be an interesting example of how teams are approaching this because i think brad holmes is i've i've enjoyed all the moves that the lions have made this year including uh the trade um i thought it was a a bit curious to kind of renegotiate Jared Goff's contract, which essentially locks him in for next season. Um, But I just think that the lions must be, I I think the logical thing would be you look ahead to next year's draft. It doesn't seem like the time to draft a quarterback and it could change by then with, with one of these guys like Malik Willis or, or Mac Corral or uh, Kenny Pickett, or, you know, take your pick. But it's uh, to me, the lions even might be in a better position just because they don't, have any uh real great uh receivers right now exactly just be like yeah go get your receivers you've got Sewell you know just keep building that offense and then when 2023 comes around you've already seen that like yeah maybe you'll have a a Zach Wilson year but then it's just like okay let's see what happens the year after that when those guys are 23 24 years old I mean look at that roster there's no there you'd you'd need one of the top three NFL quarterbacks to try to rescue that team right now right that's a team that's a team that that's a team that needs time and work same thing same thing where they're at Kyler Murray, number one overall. That roster coming out of that season was Chandler Jones and a bunch of dudes, right? But look mm-hmm. at what they, they got a new coach. They got the quarterback. They got, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. They got Buda Baker. They got uh, Isaiah. I mean, we got to see, but you, you see what I'm saying? They filled it out. They started fixing parts of the roster to make them in a position two years after they got their guy. So I think that's the, I think if they're being honest about it, if Brad Holmes is being honest throughout the organization, they're not, they're not there. That's okay. But you got to prepare yourself to get ready to get there. And I think that's why Jared Goff's probably fine for them. Cause you know, it is what it is. I'm not trying to lay into Jared Goff too hard. Right. 
the opposite of the of the Nick Foles Andy Dalton year. You're taking your he's the he's the rebound boyfriend or something in between, you know, yeah. while you're while you're trying to get right in. It doesn't really matter what you do right now because it's not your they're they're just not in a window where they could even really be competitive regardless of who they had. Um, the only thing that almost seems to be uh, I don't it when we talk about the Rams and the lions this weekend, you know, the only thing that doesn't really seem to be jiving is kind of just does Dan Campbell, has anyone told Dan Campbell to plan, you know, because yeah. uh, this head coach is he's, he, I mean, I, I like him. Uh, he's crying after losses. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going, Hey man, we don't want you to win the games. Uh, <laughs> be okay. You know, just kind of yeah. be an okay team, which by the way, the Lions are 0-6. They're 26th in DVOA for a, exactly. for a winless team. They're not the worst team. They should maybe even have two wins. And that's the thing about the cycle in the offseason, right? It's not that every fan base thinks they're going 14-3. and three. Lions fans understood they weren't going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. But mm-hmm. if they bought into everything that could go right, they could have been, you know, 7-9 and nine or something or 6-10, and 10, which would have been an improvement. And then you go from 6-10 and 10 to 9-7 and seven next year. That's the kind of path they wanted to be on. They're not on that, clearly. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you drop back like that, Nobody, they weren't anticipating being 0 and 6, I guarantee you, inside the building and outside the building from media and fans. So it's a difficult situation to try to deal with. And it certainly doesn't help that you got to travel to SoFi and deal with one of the best teams in the league who's in form right now, um, you know, on both sides of the ball, obviously, the last two games. Uh, that's that's a tough, tough matchup on the other side. But it's almost a weird kind of lose-lose for the Rams where, you know, you, you kind of worry, did the New York game have trap consistencies? They can't, you know, you can't even consider that against Detroit the way that they're playing. This is a game that the Rams have to look almost perfect in. Otherwise, you know, you'd have criticism the same way McVay had criticisms for his offense after the New York game. If this game doesn't go perfectly on both sides of the ball, you're looking at it saying, well, we should have we should have done more because this is a this is a defense that the Rams should probably put up 40 points against and an offense that they should be able to keep to a really, really low scored very few yards the way both sides are playing so it's a a weird situation where you've got what's the line i think i saw it was double digits i mean how often do you have a double digit line in the nfl i think it opened up as 13 points and it almost immediately jumped up to like 16 points that's crazy because of all the betting going to the rams i mean that tells you the state the state of affairs for both of us I mean, the, the, the Lions, like I said, have, have one of the worst pass defenses. The Rams have one of the best passing offenses. If you can't uh, get yards in this, in this game situation, if, if your offensive line doesn't have a really good day, why, you know, why would you have not had a good day against this uh, under talented team? You know, right now that it's like the only other team that is, absolutely worse is the Texans. And like, I don't know if I've ever seen a team more willfully be like, yeah, we're, we really don't want to be good. And we, if you help us win a game, you're out You're on yeah. injured reserve or you're cut. Do not help us win a game. Tyrod Taylor gone. I don't know exactly what happened to Tyrod Taylor. I'm not following all the news, but it just seems like any player, Laramie Tunsil, any player that's kind of good, they're like, you know, you got to get out of here because they're so scared that they won that first game by so many points. There's the just Jaguars. a couple. Yeah, there's just a couple of these teams that are so poorly run as franchises that it's hard to see how they they're not going to be able to draft their way out of it because it's bigger than that. You talk about Detroit, Houston, Jacksonville, the Jets, Washington, all of, all of those franchises are just 
performance, not even as a football team, just as an organization, right? Yeah. Where the, you're kind of, I mean, think about how little we're talking about Bill O'Brien now and Houston and that whole debacle and, and the, the whole process of, of power sharing and what they did before the Deshaun Watson stuff. You talk about Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Well, you don't forget how, how completely screwed up it's been inside and out and why Jalen Ramsey wanted to move in the first place. These organizations just have so much that that's that from inside that's just kind of poisoned it's weird to see them try to figure it out from a football stance because <laughs> obviously there's no way to do that and they're just struggling with it it's really really weird to see and kind of sad I mean obviously a lot of it's self-inflicted but you know for a lot of the players they're all professionals they're all trying to do the right thing but it's just one of these situations where there's just no way it's going to work because of the way those organizations are handled um and and just kind of that having this conversation it really dawns on me sort of uh there's a lot of just bad teams this year um and that could be a a a consequence of there being you know some of these super teams that were built and and constructed together because you're going yeah how did deandre hopkins get traded for a second round pick you know know? know? (laughs) like uh how is this happening how (laughs) you know the rams are able to pull uh matthew stafford away and and um, I look at it now and it's like, how could the NFC not be just a five team conference with the yeah. Cowboys, the Packers, the Bucks, the Cardinals and the Rams right now? It looks like I, it. There isn't anybody else really competitive. If I, if I were to ask you like, you know, cause the Bucks were seven and five last season after 12 games, not a lot of people had picked them to win the Super Bowl at sure, that point. Sure. Uh, out of besides those five teams, who do you think is the biggest threat in the NFC? That's interesting. So there's there's a couple I'd point to. Obviously, the other two in the NFC West, if they end up uh, getting their act together. Obviously, for the Seahawks, it will you know have to coincide with Russ coming back. But yeah. if if they can kind of tread water until he gets back, that they might be able to get right at the end of the season. The Niners on paper. Are certainly better than what they've played like you got to wonder uh you know how they're uh, from the Rams side we always talk about you know losing Brandon Staley and obviously there's been some frustration from a lot of fans with Raheem Morris some weeks I I, I haven't seen it but I wonder if the 49ers are dealing with something with Robert Sala now that he's gone and kind of the effect of losing a successful defensive coordinator and maybe dealing with that um I so I think I'd point to those two the only one that I think is really interesting and is maybe the most chaotic out of all of them would be Minnesota and I, I think they're one of the those teams mm-hmm. that I don't understand what they're, they're starting to play very Seahawks type football where it's like they, they haven't played a single normal game yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they had the, they had the one point loss to the car. No, that wasn't week one. Oh, they lost to Cincinnati. Remember they lost yeah. to Cincinnati with the late field goal in week one, the Cardinals in week two, that weird Browns game that was like 10 to seven. They're, they're just playing really, really, really weird games right now. And I, I think I think they're better than their record. I think if they stay healthy, they certainly have the chance to get better. Um, they've got the roster to do it. Uh, we talked about quarterback wide receiver. They've obviously got the wide receivers. I think if, if Kirk, if Kirk can be, he doesn't even have to be a superstar. You know what I mean? He can be one of those, like a Jared Goff Rams, 2018 kind of thing, where it's just the right situation, the right season and the right guys. Maybe they can get right and maybe he's uh, avoids mistakes enough for them to be successful, if that makes sense, because I think I think in terms of what they need on defense and what they need from the rest of the offense, I think it's set up really, really well, even on the offensive line. I think I think the question is, you know, Kirk Cousins, and I think that's an obvious one. But yeah, right now, if you look around the league, that group of five is certainly stronger than everybody else in the field. If it continues to separate, man, that's going to be a weird season because we haven't seen kind of a have and have not season that's been established as strongly as it has this year. 
Okay. Before we go, I, I probably should ask you some questions about the Rams um, because we've had a very good uh, NFL chat here. I think we've kind of been able to uh, avoid talking about the game a little bit just because there's not a lot of intrigue about the result. Yeah. Um, by all means, the Lions are allowed to win and nobody's uh, going to keep them from that. And the, the Rams have proven to be uh, shittier than uh, expected for a quarter or two, at least. So who knows what could happen? You know, there, sure. there's anything is possible. The Jets last year. But I think that the, the Stafford situation just kind of eradicates the meaning of the Jets game for me personally. Sure, sure. Um, I just want to ask you, because this is our first talk of the season. Uh, the Rams are five and one things are going pretty good. I'll just say a, a player or a coach uh, name, and maybe you could just give your thoughts in a uh, speed round of sorts. lightning round, love a lightning round, good old lightning round. Uh, let's start with Sony Michelle. Yeah. Capable. Um, I was less panicky when Cam Akers went down from the, but you and I are on the same page on this, Kenny, when we mm -hmm. talk about running back positional value and how, how it's not easy, how capable teams are of finding functional talent at the position, given what it requires. I've liked Sony Michelle. I think he's great for the role. He was the exact kind of guy we, I wanted when Cam went down and people were talking about like, you know, Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson. I did not like the idea of that. I liked, you know, somebody who could be in a timeshare that's part of a depth chart and gives you something different than what you get with Daryl Henderson. And I think we've gotten that. And uh, yeah, definitely certain, certainly satisfied. I think we may need to see a little bit more of him. Uh, depending on what's uh, Hendo's dealing with physically, obviously missing the week before, but we'll see. Johnny Munt and uh, Johnny Munt's oh. replacement. Johnny Munt and Jake Funk. I wanted to see them go. Um, yeah, I mean, Munt's been a useful blocker. Uh, I, th I think we still kind of underrate Higby a little, little uh -huh. bit um, into his overall value, but moving forward with Jacob Harris, Got to be excited. Uh, you know, there's already so many weapons. I don't I don't get my hopes yeah. too much for guys to actually produce. I mean, you look at like Van Jefferson. It's just hard. It's hard to get even to Sean Jackson and certainly Tutu Atwell. It's hard to get targets around, but I, I don't think they're going to miss a month too much. The blocking on the outside is so good when you got guys like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and especially the way oh, yeah. the lines played. But, you know, so it always sucks to see guys go down. By the way, you bring up, you know, uh, especially. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it. Uh, sorry, you broke up for a second there. So I thought you were done. <laughs> no. uh, uh, Tyler, uh, I want to, we brought up Tyler Higby and it just makes me look at his numbers really quick. And it's like Tyler Higby has caught 22 of 25 targets and all due respect to Tyler Higby. There's not a diss on Tyler Higby. This is kind of just an example of how, why passing stats are so nuts right now is that sure. the NFL has just found a few cheat codes that may not result in a touchdown, but they'll result in a catch almost guaranteed. Yeah. And that's the thing about Higby is he's so consistent. He's never going to be, you know, famous explosive guy, but he doesn't need to be in this offense. And he's been kind of an underrated besides those five games at the end of which year was it? Was it 2019 when Cooper yeah. Cup was <clears throat> uh, dealing with the outside issues and Gerald Everett was hurt? Remember, and Tyler Higby had that five game stretch to become the, the season or the franchise leader for. I think it was yards in a season by a tight end. Yeah. He's not that kind of guy. We know he's not, but he's still really, really dependable and useful as an all around guy. Good enough as a blocker, good enough as a receiver. And obviously the kind of routes that the Rams like to run, he's really good at those. So I think kind of an underrated guy. That's a, that's a core guy that you got to have to be successful. And he's been obviously not just that guy, but he's also been available. Right. I mean, I don't, how much time has Tyler Higby ever missed? 
Not much. Uh, yeah. I think one game last year, maybe. Uh, you know. So yeah, a, a little bit of a lightning round again here with the with a question. Uh, priority: Joseph Nopum, Austin Corbett, in terms of free agency. Ooh, throw Brian Allen in there too. I don't know. Throw him I, in. I have no idea. I have no idea what the plans for the offensive line are. They drafted Noteboom and Allen. Then they drafted Edwards and uh, Bobby Evans, um, added uh, Coleman Shelton, added Austin Corbett. So I don't know. I have no understanding of what the real plans are priority for. If I had to guess, uh, that's really tough. I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> I got no clue, man. Uh, Taylor Rapp. I've liked Taylor Rapp more than a lot of people. I think it was good to see him have the week he did. I'm still excited for him. I think, you know, he's still early, early, early in his career. Um, but I, I like Rapp. I'm, I'm eager to see. I think this is kind of one of the deciding seasons. Um, obviously, he's got next year under contract as well. But I, I'm eager to see what he does with the second half of this season. He's a He would be one of my top candidates for a guy that's going to make a significant improvement and kind of really start to settle into his NFL career. Yeah, it's uh, it's been such an interesting uh, situation with a lot of secondaries this year, and, and the Rams yeah. are down a few guys. So I'll ask you, uh, just because, um, just because the Rams are in such a dire situation, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, having or getting to put Dante Dion out there more often, just based on uh, the numbers? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the way they rotate this now, because you know David Long obviously had a chance and kind of got relegated and then you're bringing in Dante Dion and you've had some issues with Rochelle, although he's flashed a little bit and uh, Darius Williams, obviously going down. So it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. I don't know. I, th I think the good thing is as long as you've got Aaron Donald up front and as long as you got Jalen Ramsey, you're, you're going to be in a good position, right? And, and the other guys aren't going to have to do as much as they would in a defense that doesn't feature those kind of talents. So the, the level of difficulties may be a bit lower, um, just acknowledging that is okay, but uh, hopefully he'll be able, if he needs to, to step in and just, you know, give a couple snaps here and there, kind of what we saw from some of the other guys on the front seven that are that are rotating well. And obviously last week had a fantastic game, but if that's anywhere close to what they can do on an average day, we should be fine. And uh, just one more uh, observation is uh, that I'm having now is, you know, the oldest player on the entire defense uh, is Aaron Donald, and he's just wow. 30. Um, and when you lose a thousand snaps to John Johnson, you lose a thousand snaps to Troy Hill, when yeah. you lose, you know, 500 snaps to Morgan Fox, when you lose 900 snaps to Michael Brockers, yeah. when you take away that much experience from a defense, uh, mistakes are not that surprising. What is surprising is that the Rams have still only allowed six passing touchdowns and they're still, uh, fairly good at stopping teams in the red zone. And we've seen inside the 10 yard line. So that's been, uh, something beneficial about it as well as I think the age and, and looking ahead and thinking about how the fact, I think that the Rams, um, if they're, if they're just kind of, if they're mediocre, if they're middle of the pack defensively this year, and it, and, and most of that is generated by a, a decent say pass rush or, or pass defense. Um, absolutely. They have enough offensively we've seen yeah. uh, to make the super bowl and then some. So uh, I think that is certainly something that we've seen so far. Sure. Uh, Joe McAtee, thank you for Coming back and talking turf show times. Anything you'd like to uh, say before we go? 
Oh man, thanks for hounding me to get, uh, how bad have I been the last month in my email, dude? Um, <laughs> so I appreciate you staying on me. Yeah, let's get together again, man, and talk it up, especially in so maybe in between two more interesting games. I feel like these were, the, are these the two bland, I guess we do have Jacksonville later on the schedule, but this is just a weird period of the schedule where, you know, you're coming off of a dominant win against New York and expecting a dominant win. I don't think it's representative of the season as a whole. So it's a comfortable podcast. Let's let's do an uncomfortable one at some point. Kenny, pick a look at the look at the Rams schedule and go, oh, this could be the week that Rams fans are freaking out. And we'll do it again then and see if if if, <laughs> if the tone, if the tenor of the podcast is a little right now, it's all fun and fancy free Monday night Every, football. You, there you go. The 49ers. You there know, you go. Probably the one. Oh man, I don't know if I want a podcast after a Niners game. That you'll you'll hit me in the feels. But no, nah, it was awesome to come on, man, and chop it up. And especially that bigger NFL stuff that we talk about. So much of that is is so important. And there's not a lot of podcasts and, and sites that are doing it as well as you do. And obviously that stuff's more important than some of the the silly details that get hammered home on Twitter every day. So it's it's always fun to talk about that kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Joe McAtee, for coming back and talking about the NFL. And right there at the end there. Uh, the Rams, make sure to subscribe and come back for the last minute thoughts podcast with Robin JB, which comes out 24 hours before every game. And then an instant reaction that'll happen right after the lions game with myself and Blaine Didasco. That's it for this episode of turf show times, the preview podcast of the Rams and the lions this Sunday, uh, Matthew Stafford versus Jared Goff come back for last minute thoughts. And then the instant reaction afterwards, this